The following program is sponsored by the Jelinski Advisory Group, which is solely responsible for its content. Josh Jelinski is the president of Wealth Quarterback, LLC, a registered investment advisory firm located in New Jersey. Registration is not an endorsement of the firm or its representatives by securities regulators, nor is it an indication that the advisor has attained a particular level of skill or ability. Investment advisory services may only be provided to clients in jurisdictions in which the firm and its representatives are appropriately registered or exempt from registration. You should not assume that any discussion or information contained in this broadcast serves as the receipt of or as a substitute for personalized investment advice from the advisor. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk, and there can be no assurance that the future performance of any specific investment, investment strategy, or product, or any non-investment related content made reference to directly or indirectly in this broadcast will be profitable. Equal any corresponding indicated historical performance level or levels be suitable for your portfolio or individual situation or prove successful. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Investment advisory services offered through Wealth Quarterback LLC. Tired of losing money in the stock market roller coaster? Frustrated with the government taxing you into oblivion? Worried about inflation? How do you prepare for so many financial uncertainties? Welcome to the show that will help you develop your game plan. The Financial Quarterback with Josh Jelinski. Josh is a noted financial advisor and president of the Jelinski Advisory Group. And he's here to answer your questions. Call into the show at 800-321-0710. Now let's kick off your financial future. Here's Josh Jelinski. Rising interest rates and the recent debt ceiling crisis in the U.S. have raised concerns among other countries about their dollar-denominated debt and the demise of the dollar should the world's leading economy ever default on that debt. That all said, a new BRICS currency faces major hurdles before becoming a reality. This from Michelle Papa. But what currency discussions do show is that the BRICS countries are seeking to discover and develop new ideas about how to shake up international affairs and effectively coordinate policies around these ideas. Get around, these countries hate us. Whatever it might be, the Euro, the, the, uh, the World Economic Forum types, whatever it might be, uh, the Klaus Schwabs of the world, do they really want us to, I think they don't want the, the U.S. to be in control. They want us to be weak. We had that guy, what was that guy on, uh, the guy who talks about the euro dollar. I've been in finance for years. Who the heck has heard of the euro dollar? And his thesis is the dollar, the Fed is really worth, like, the Fed has no power anymore anyway. It's the euro dollar, which is these, Banks kind of uh, using almost digital money, if you will, transacting like LIBOR, the London Interbank Offer Rate. So essentially, he's claiming the Fed doesn't have any power anymore anyway. Uh, Fed, uh, Stan has talked about it's really all the cycles, not the Fed for years. I, I don't know. I think the Fed has some influence and power. And I think the U.S. is still the cleanest, dirty shirt in the laundry pile. So I'm a, I'm a hopeful optimist in the U.S. So I'm asking anybody. I mean, you know, we we didn't really see. Uh, we've we've been seeing a slow demise of the dollar under Republican and Democratic rule for years. So. Uh, when we spend more than we make as a country, it's a problem. So I think when people say, oh, the debt ceiling crisis, I think it's a manufactured crisis. I think if the country really got serious about their debt and said, we're not going to spend more than we make anymore, we're going to live on a budget, then other countries would have more faith in us. Maybe I'm simple. Maybe I'm Simon Simpleton. But I don't know. I long for those days. So give us a call, 888-988-JOSH, 888-988-JOSH. So it's kind of interesting. We are seeing that the presidential cycle pattern 
is coming true that in the third year of a four-year presidential term, markets tend to go up. We've seen that for a number of years. Of course, with any of these old adages, there's always exceptions to the rules, but kind of interesting. So give us a call now, 888-988-JOSH, if you want the free book, 800-321-0710, if you want to talk to me now. We're talking about tax loss harvesting, and if you fail to plan, Benjamin Franklin once said, you are planting to fail. With earnings season ramping up, it would behoove us to listen and form a plan. More data is flooding the market, which means more volatility as analysts and investors react to it. If you're prepared, though, you can use this movement, positive or negative, to your advantage. The key to success is simple planning. The market is now in an extreme state of greed. If you don't plan, it's easy to get swept up in market movements. This is a surefire way to buy the top and sell the bottom. And it's especially true in the current market. The S&P 500 is hovering above 4,500, working towards its January 22 record high of 4,796. So there is something called the Fear Greed Index. Right now, we are looking at extreme greed. Last year, we had fear. The Fear and Greed Index, according to CNN Business, and Malden Economics is the, one of the favorite quick gauges because it's a combination of seven different indicators that measure various acts, aspects of the market. This includes market momentum, volatility, and the ratio of stocks hitting new 52-week highs to those hitting yearly lows. So how should you plan within the market's meter at such extreme? First, know your limit price and stick to it. If you don't know the maximum you're willing to pay, it's easy to pay too much for a stock. That's why you always need to establish the maximum you're willing to pay for any stock. Since I'm an income investor, the author writes, I generally come up with this figure based on how much yield I'm targeting from that stock. When there's more risk involved, I want a little more dividend yield to compensate for taking on that risk. The company is a boring and stable stock to buy and hold might be okay with a lower dividend yield. Still, you deserve to get paid on the money you're parking in a stock. So if you're looking for your limit price, you can rearrange it. So basically, you got to understand what amount of loss you're willing to accept. And I've often found that, you know, people say stop losses. I found that stop losses don't work. I found a mental stop loss kind of works, like, where, you know, you don't enter your, your, your stop loss into the market, but you have a mental threshold of what you're wanting to do. So we'll talk about estate planning. And then there was this question from a listener email on the seven big stocks in the NASDAQ are reshuffling. So the logic is, the top seven or eight stocks in the NASDAQ 100, which is 100 of the big tech names, seven of those stocks account for 55% of the index. They are reshuffling that to about 40% of the index. So what that means is short term, those stocks may devalue. So people might sell those stocks off, but it's going to be very hard to time that like, Tesla went down, would be one of those stocks that went down like 10% in a day. Was that people rebalancing because they saw the Kramer article? Was that Tesla, you know, Tesla uh, news? You know, the market is very hard to digest certain news over others. Um, I really don't think it has much of significance other than a short-term decline on those seven stocks and a immediate bump on the other stocks that make up the other 60% of the NASDAQ. 
So we've looked into it as a firm. If you want to try to exploit that, you certainly can, but there's no guarantee that it's going to work. You know, basically the way to exploit it is you sell off the seven or eight stocks that are overvalued and you buy the undervalued. But what's kind of interesting is this market is really being driven by those seven or eight stocks. So a lot of other stocks, like the Dow is up like five to 7%, you know, something kind of meager this year where the S&P is up greater. But the Dow stocks are generally the stodgy companies that retired investors want, not the Facebooks and the Teslas, which are sort of the stocks that went down 50% last year. They're just sort of kind of regaining some of their steam. So a lot of our listeners are retired and you're retired and they really shouldn't be taking on that much risk anyway. So, I mean, if you want us to help look at your portfolio, call us at 888-988-JOSH. If you want help kind of navigating the crazy world of investing, we'll give you a free review if you call us at 888-988-JOSH and schedule your free 45-minute wealth strategy session. And uh, we're taking your calls live at 800-321-0710. The winning ticket for Powerball sold for $1.08 billion. Have you heard about this? Jackpot. Did you hear about this, Jim? Here's how much the winner will owe in taxes. I don't know why the Powerball ticket winners, like the average Joe or Jane, care about that. I get angry when I see these winnings because it gives the average Joe sort of the dream that I think of my dad, right? Did, did you know, did he tell you, Jim, that he would buy lottery tickets? Or was that a hidden secret? So my dad would have been much wealth, regular guy. He didn't have any money, got disabled. But I'm sure he bought a lot of lottery tickets over the years. I don't think he, you know, I'm talking maybe five bucks a week. Nothing special. But if he spent $5 a week from 35 to 65, how much would he be worth if he just put that into an S&P 500 index fund? I'll talk about that later. You know, and the reason why the Powerball winnings irks me is for some reason, people think wealth is unattainable. And it is generally unattainable because people do not want to live with extreme sacrifices for a period. I remember I was made fun of in my 20s. You know what, Alex? Uh, you know, um, when I was your age, I had a hand-me-down car. It was a Hyundai Excel that was beaten up. It was really embarrassing to drive. The, the muffler ratted on the floor. My friends made fun of me. But you know what? I knew I was going to be more financially than they were. I was like 18. Like, you're la- I'll have the last laugh. Why? I just understood the power of long-term compounding. And most people don't. And that's, so you think as a regular person, five bucks a week is 260 a year. What harm is that going to cause? Right? Like, what harm is that lottery addiction going to cause? Now, it might have been 10 bucks a month. It might have been your daily Starbucks habit. If you do that for 40 years and you invested that in the S&P index, because we all have time unless the good Lord takes us. And let's say you did that 40 years ago. When was 40 years ago? Was it 83? Am I right? Yeah. So let's say you invested in 1982. You were around there, and Jim. Mm-hmm. Let's say you invested just $5 a week. That $5 a week invested in the market for 20, 40 years would equal 196 grand. Just $5 a week. Is that a lot? Yeah, some people, it's a whole heck of a lot. Now you add that to the equity you're building on your house. You follow? 
And then you'd have two of the biggest drivers of middle-class wealth just taking that lottery ticket or taking that Starbucks addiction or taking that Dunkin' addiction. I know I'm addicted to coffee, but I did that after I saved, after I was made fun of in my 20s. Did I go to bars when I was in my 20s? No. Did I try to impress women with my cars? No. I wanted to buy... I wanted to find that woman who was unimpressed by that stuff and who wasn't into that. And I did. And she's frugal, just like me. So God bless her and God bless all of our listeners. So we got a lot of questions. We'll go to Ron. Thank you for your show. It's a true financial service. We really appreciate it. Here's here's my question, Josh. Um, Index funds, are they better to be held as mutual funds or in ETFs? Generally speaking, the ETF structure is better because it can be sold intraday and you don't have to wait till the end of the day. And it is in many cases more tax efficient. But that being said, it's basically the same thing, except ETFs are often cheaper, meaning they have lower expense ratios and they can be sold at any point in the day. Uh, But the founder of Vanguard, Jack Bogle, said that He thought ETFs were a bad innovation and Vanguard was one company that kind of waited a while to embrace ETFs Yes, because they thought it was bad for investing behavior because waiting till the end of the day kind of allowed investors to think twice before selling everything. But I think ETFs, I think that's a very old way to look at things. I, I look at it as, hey, if you want to sell at 2.30 p.m., instead of waiting to the end of the day, you know better the price you're going to get. It's more of a liquid market, lower fees. We generally, as a firm, favor ETFs over mutual funds. You do, okay, from a tax point of view. Even even Admiral funds, I guess, okay. I, uh, well, all right, I, I now, appreciate I mean, you might have old funds. Um, and that's the thing, though. Every investor is different. So if you have IRAs that have old funds, I'd get rid of them. If you have Roths with funds versus ETFs, I'd I'd look for an equivalent and exchange. You can also be more precise. So when you have an ETF, you can buy components of the indexes. You can buy an ETF in artificial intelligence. You can buy an ETF in finance, healthcare, uh, dividend-paying ETFs. You can buy... Now, you can buy those in funds, but generally they're higher fees. Uh, now, if you have funds that you've held for a number of times, out number of years outside of an IRA, you want to be careful of tax consequences if you sell it. So you may want to sell some of your funds where it's in an IRA or a Roth, but not if it's outside of an IRA or Roth, things like that. If you want our free review, because we had another guy, Ron, uh, Raymond, on our YouTube, which make sure you subscribe on YouTube if you're just listening. Google Josh Jelinski, the financial quarterback on YouTube, and hit the subscribe button. Also subscribe to our podcast weekly. We're going to be doing some brand new shows, different types of shows in the coming weeks. Newly reimagined uh, magazine style show in the in the coming months. It's going to be really exciting. Uh, magazine just means a tighter Think of like 60 minutes for finance, you know, where there'll be segments and we'll, we'll still be doing live shows as well, but this will, it'll be a, a very fun podcast that you can share with your friends. So you want to subscribe. So if you have any funds, whether they're Admiral funds, Acme funds, whatever fund family, this guy's asking about American. Um, we don't want to besmirch any particular company. But we can review your top five holdings and we will score them from a perspective of risk, fees, and taxes for free. If you call us right now at 888 josh and obviously want to grow our business, but if doesn't, you know, if we're not a good fit, we'll part friends and you'll be given very valuable information on even the ETFs versus mutual funds. We'll show you which funds 
uh, mirror your, your ETFs. Which ETFs mirror the funds you have? So if you like certain funds, uh, let's say you have an S&P 500 fund. We'll show you the equivalent S&P 500 ETF. I hope that helps you. One question. If, if I were to convert from mutual funds to ETFs, is that a taxable event? Uh, we have to talk to the company and see some will allow what are called share class conversions. Many cases, it is taxable, so you got to be careful. So yeah. we will call the mutual fund company that you have and see if yeah. they offer some type of share class conversion option. Sometimes if you have like an A share fund or a C share, they have higher uh, fees. You can convert it to an I share or a Z share to lower your fees. So we'll help you with all that stuff. So well, thank you again. That's called share class conversion. It may be taxable to switch from a fund to an ETF. So you don't uh, want to do that without consulting with an advisor. That's why we offer the free review. And, you know, m most part, yes, I mean, we, we, we're not telling everyone to go sell their funds outside of taxable accounts. Generally, it's best to do it within an IRA or Roth. But um, sometimes you could like tax loss harvest. So you sell losers against winners. And then let's say you have some cash proceeds, then that buys an ETF. ETFs allow more precision and greater liquidity. So, and, and in many cases, greater tax efficiency. And many companies such as Dimensional and Vanguard and others that fought the ETF movement are now buying into ETFs as sort of a way of life. So I hope that helps. Very good. Thank you, Dosh. Appreciate it. Great call. Great question. And we'll take more of your questions at 800-321-0710. We are live on Twitter. Follow us at your financial QB. Uh, follow me on Twitter. Also, YouTube, hit the subscribe button and subscribe to our podcast weekly. We're talking about the Powerball jackpot and why it makes me angry. It makes me angry for two reasons. It lulls the average Joe. So we might have somebody listening. And you're 65. And you may go, Josh, I'll never amount to anything financially. It's just whatever. I got disabled. I had whatever, not making as much as I want to make. You too can become a hundred thousand or maybe you can't become a millionaire, but you can become a hundred thousand air. If you save that $5 a week for 40 years at 65 and you die at 105, you can leave 196 extra grand to your heirs. Now let's say you piss away $5 a day. So let's say you go on a path of frugality. So instead of buying lunch, you bring your lunch. Or instead of uh, buying lunch or bringing lunch, you do what Jim does. You go to ShopRite and you load up on the food court items. That's a very inexpensive way to do food now. Manager, right, Jim? Manager special, too. Manager special at ShopRite. How much is it? How much is the manager's? 50% 50 off, 70% off. And you get how many meals out of that? Two or three? No, you get, you get one meal. No, but you can cut it in half. They usually give you a big, yeah. big serving. Yeah. So you can eat that in half. Um, and then you take the savings, you put it away. So if you can scrounge up $5 a day of savings, that's... $35 a week times 52 weeks, that's $1,820 a year. Really, anybody can do that. Work an extra hour or two at work. Okay, next. Do that for 40 years. Guess how much you have in 40 years? $1.3 million. So wealth is attainable. Do that for 20 years, 198 grand. 
So even if you're in, you know, your 50s, 60s, wealth is attainable if you're frugal. Here's the thing. Life is becoming more and more complicated, right? You have so many options for viewing cable, Disney, Netflix, but all of it's garbage. So why don't you do the best things in life that are free? Cut your cable bill. Read books. Spend time playing board games with your family. Board games are so much fun. I love playing Settlers of Catan. Great game. Pirates. Uh, what's that game? Pirates Cove. You ever play that game? Uh, I'm, I'm a great board gamer. Some other bird game. There's a bunch of good uh, board games that I like. And then you're spending time with your family. You don't really miss TV. But you know what? You'll miss time with your kids. Time with your grandkids. Walking through fields in Prince Edward Island. Walking to the beach. Island Beach State Park free this year, isn't it? Go to LBI. Go to beach. Get a season pass. Um, can't afford a vacation. Spend every, uh, you know, spend a day a week taking your family out to the beach. And what you'll learn is the best things in life are free. My cappuccinos that I make myself taste way better than the stuff I buy at Starbucks. And then you save that money. So... You might say, well, Josh, I know you have a little Starbucks addiction. Yeah, it's not the, it's not the issue. When, when you save enough to be okay, you can do that stuff again. But if you're looking for ways to save, well, one of the things we found, too, is um, when we went to Prince Edward Island, we drove. That saved about eight grand in airfare, by the way, with kids. That saves you money. And then you have fun on road trips. The other thing you do is bring your own, like we have a little cappuccino maker. We're going to bring that next time we go. And then you save all the coffees you buy out. So there are little tricks. Now it's annoying. You know, my wife's like, what the heck are you doing? You're bringing your, your big coffee lug. But that stuff adds up. You get a couple a day. That's like, you know, $16 a day of savings. They might say, give me a break. But, you know, one time um, we went to Hawaii, give a little tip. I didn't want to spend money. It was like $10 for a latte, 10 bucks. It was, uh, so we went, went to Hawaii. I found free shipping Amazon to Hawaii. And then, so I got a unit shipped at Amazon. It was cheaper. And I worked out a deal where I got free returns at Kohl's. So it's a good way to be a little frugal. So there's a little, um, cause it, it didn't work right. So there's a whole, um, there's a lot of tricks that you can use to save money and we'll help you with that. So we'll take your calls all hour at 800, Three two one zero seven ten. If you have a listener question, call me now. 800-321-0710. Gated 898 Josh, and I'll give you my free book, Retirement Reality Check. When you schedule and keep your no-obligation review, 888-988-JOSH. 888-988-JOSH. Get the free book, Retirement Reality Check. When you schedule and keep your no obligation review. I'll talk to you more about this whole Powerball thing because it irks me because it gives the impression that people have to hit the lottery to do well in life. But there's another problem of the lottery, and that's taxes. And I'll tell you how it affects you when we return. This is Josh Jolinski, the financial quarterback. Don't touch that dial. Tune in to the financial quarterback, Josh Jelinski, this weekend and learn how to protect your financial future in a down economy. 
Josh and his team at the Jelinski Advisory Group can help you lower your taxes and lower your risk in these uncertain times with a 27-point checklist designed to improve your financial health. Whether you're worried about runaway prices, fear of an upcoming recession, or a stock market meltdown, tune in to the financial quarterback and count on Josh Jelinski to call the play. For a free copy of Josh's book, The Retirement Reality Check, call 888-988-5674. That's 888-988-5674. Or visit Jelinski.org. That's J-A-L-I-N-S-K-I dot org. Okay, we're back. We got Bob. Go ahead, Bob. You're on the job. Okay, thanks, Josh. Uh, Here's my question. I am in the 35% federal tax bracket. I live in New York State, and I have the state tax bracket at 6.85%. That's just over 42 when you... Okay. Uh, You cut out. I don't hear you anymore. The question was, since you're in a high tax bracket... Does a Roth conversion make sense? And this is sort of the the kind of the thought I had with Powerball. The Powerball jackpot, and I'm going to say, Bob, Bob's like, what does Powerball have to do with me? Well, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But answer your question. If you're in a high tax bracket, 42%, and you have an IRA, 401k, 403b, 457, if, if finance gets you confused, If you have a letter behind it or a number, it means your plan is in partnership with your favorite uncle. That's right, Uncle Sam, the U.S. So if you have a million dollars, like let's say you you do this million dollar savings that I'm talking about, and you have a million dollars in an IRA, you have a giant IOU to the IRS. So if you're in a 42% bracket, you take a million dollars out, you don't get a million. You get 420. So you net out 580. So what does one do with a tax albatross known as an IRA 401k 403b? Now I am not saying a 403b or IRA is a bad vehicle. I sort of liken it to the game of golf. It is a great driver of wealth in that it grows money very nicely. You can accumulate money quickly. It gets you, it gets the ball far across the fairway, but it is a poor putter in that it does not finish the job well. So when you die, there's going to be all these taxes. When you live, there's going to be all these taxes. So what do you do? You got to get that money into something where there is zero taxes, Roths, life insurance, and brokerage accounts, stocks that don't pay a dividend that when you die will give a step up in capital gains to your family. But you don't want to do it all at once. You want to do it incrementally. So if you have a million dollars and you're in a 42% tax bracket, and you will probably be in that tax bracket for the rest of your life. What you do is you take out enough money out of your IRA so that you don't go into the next bracket. That's called bracket filling. We have a computer program that will tell you the appropriate amount to bracket fill. And then you take those proceeds and you put that into you. You do a combination of Roth conversions insurance contracts, trusts, things like that. If you don't know how to do that, call us at 888-988-JOSH, 888-988-JOSH, and I will give you the free 45-minute bracket-filling conversation. Bob, you're still with us. Do you have any follow-up questions to that? Do I make sense? Uh, Yes, it does. Um, I'm just, you know... Wondering, uh, I, I'm about a hundred, I guess a hundred thousand or so from 35 to 37, uh, 37% tax bracket. So I'll have to look about doing that. But, um, at this point, I'll probably just keep doing my, uh, RMDs and let things sit. Because you might become a sitting duck to the IRS. 
meaning if the Trump tax cuts go away in 2025, then the brackets are going to expand. You're going to pay more tax then. If you're, if you or your spouse pass away, you'll go from married filing jointly to single. If you die and leave this money to your heirs, that'll go on their bracket. And we might have 40, 50% marginal income tax brackets in 10 years. Many people are saying that we are in the lowest tax bracket that you'll ever be in due to rising debt. So I get your concern of like paying tax now is a pain, but I believe that taxes are on sale right now and there is no way that they'll go other than up. Obviously, you can keep deferring taxes till a later date, but then the likelihood is half of your money when you die will go to Uncle Sam. I think there are better strategies for you Roth conversions being one, insurance policies. What some people do who don't want to pay the tax too is they take their RMD, they put their RMD in an insurance, life insurance policy. Life insurance pays the tax when they die. That works as a strategy for people who don't want to pay more in tax this year via Roth conversion. So if you want help, uh, we're there for you, 888 josh Any other questions, Bob? No, I'm good. Thank you. No, I'm good. Thank you, Josh. Thank you. And this Powerball consideration, I said, why is this guy talking so much about Powerball? It's because I think like people listen and they think, oh man, you know, I, I wish I was that guy. And you know what? You hear all these stories, people Powerball, then they start having all these friends come out of the woodwork. Be like, Jim, if you want Powerball, might be a curse. Nice Jim. Everybody's friends with Jim. And what happens? Then Jim doesn't know who his real friends are. All these people start calling him. And you hear these stories from people in the power. I, by the way, I knew somebody who won the lottery. And they were out of money in like a few years. Because what happens was their kids needed money. They paid off this person's college. They took everybody to Disney World. And... Within a year or two, they, they burned through a couple million bucks and they were shocked because half it went to taxes because they didn't choose the annuity. They chose the lump sum. So that was one big thing. So, for example, if you are in Powerball, you get an annuitized prize of $1.08 billion or a lump sum of $558 million. So if you choose five fifty eight and you're in a 40% combined state and federal tax bracket, which in actuality, like in New Jersey, you'd be at 10.75, right? Plus 37, that's 47 cents. So you times point, let's say 48 times 558, you would pay 267 million to the IRS. (laughs) And the state. So on a mil on a billion dollars, you're only netting 267. Now, hey, I, we would all love to win that. I'm not, I'm not like kidding myself. But I think the lottery is a tax on those ignorant of compounding. And it's really a regressive tax. And then I don't know many wealthy people buying the lottery tickets. Our clients who are wealthy, they're saving the lottery. That's how they saved up their money. So a sizable tax bill. The biggest thing is to do nothing. Let the emotions and overwhelming feelings subside before making any decision. So if you are the lottery winner, we're here for you at 888-988-JOSH. We'll help you make sure you don't blow through it. But it's interesting because if you have 558 million after state and federal taxes, you only net about 190. So you think you're getting a billion, right? A billion evaporates to 190 if you take the lump sum. Isn't that crazy? 
Yes. I just did the math. Do the math, Jim. 558 million. Just take 558 minus 267, 291, 291. So my, my brain's a little fried. It's Saturday morning. 291 million. So you get 29% basically of what you thought you were going to get. Well, that they pay a, an annual salary as if it were $1.0 billion. I mean, the real way to do it is to do the annuity because then if you burn through the money the first year, you keep having money every year. And most of these people are not going to know how to handle it. I don't know, though. I think I would take the lump sum and buy like a sports team or something. You know, buy a, buy a minor league sports team. I, I would do something... Uh, what would you do if you won the lottery? I would I would buy something that's, or I would annuitize it. I don't know. the The reason to annuitize it is that you're losing so much in taxes, spreading that out. So that's a good question. Would you annuitize it, or do you take the lump sum? When we return, we're going to ask listeners that. Call us eight hundred three two one. If you won the one point zero eight billion. Would you annuitize it or take the lump sum? But here's the financial planning import. One, don't invest in the lottery. Invest in funds, ETFs, religiously. Invest in yourself. And two, have a plan for taxes. Look at Roths. Look at life insurance. Look at stocks that don't pay a dividend. Financial tip there is don't pay taxes on money you're not spending. Call us at 888 888- 988 Josh for the free 45 minute review. 888 Josh. 888 And we will give you the free book when you schedule and keep your no obligation review. If you're getting a busy signal, keep calling for the free book at 888 Josh. A lot of you are calling 888 for the book about not just saving your money, but developing a spending plan, a plan to enjoy your money. So we talked about, uh, we talked about Powerball. This is an interesting article. 2023-2024. Um, I'll give you a financial tip. Wait till next year to buy a car. Apparently... Um, Elon Musk may be cutting prices because there is, um, and Ford's may be cutting their prices on their EV trucks. Nobody's buying them. Does that mean we're heading into a recession? I don't know. People have been talking about this recession for a long time. I think this is like a very slow kind of malaise over the economy. I don't know if it's. I, I always thought a recession was two negative quarters in a row, which we had, we had last year. So I think it was last year, but, you know, won't be a short-lived one. So you'll get a $7,500 EV tax credit. By the way, I think the EV tax credit is a major mistake that they changed it because by adding an income limit, And the income limit, I think, hurts adoption because then people above the limit are not going to buy an electronic vehicle anymore for the tax write-off. That's why a lot of people bought it. Um, So this is interesting. Now, electronic, electric vehicles, 3750 if the vehicle meets the critical minerals requirement only. 3750 the vehicle meets the battery components requirement only. So you can transfer starting in 2024, this is kind of cool, can transfer the EV tax credit to the dealer at the time of purchase so you get to lower the price immediately. Kind of like instant gratification. And EVs have a higher price. Um, and then... There's a lot here which is interesting. Not all vehicles qualify for it. So you want to check with your accountant to make sure it qualifies. For example, 
a Lucid or Tesla Plaid does not qualify for it. You got to buy the cheaper Tesla. 80 grand for vans, sport utility vehicles, pickup trucks. 55 grand for other vehicles. So my hunch is wait a year and there are companies like Ford, they can't give away these cars they're saying. I don't know if, so they're going to have a significant discount. So like you get a 2020 Ford F50 Lightning that goes for 80 grand right now. That gets a 7,500 tax credit. My hunch is that'll be 20 or 30 grand discounted in a year because what people buying F-150s can afford an 80 grand car. Like, I, I don't know, maybe a contractor, but... You know, what if you're a regular person? You know, maybe the Chevy Bolt. Who the heck wants to buy a Bolt? Anyway, so there are a lot of cars, BMW, Cadillac, Chevrolet, Chrysler. Some Teslas now even get it. Model 3s, some Model Ys. The Model S, which started the game, doesn't get it anymore. Uh, it's only the Model Y or the Model 3. So go ahead, rot up who says India has the right to help create an alternate reserve currency. Other countries tell India what to do, what not to do. We have been non-aligned from the day one of independence. We don't want to join anybody, get beaten up later on. And every time India make a request to United Nations or United States for a technology, they always say no. They gave it to Pakistan, which is a neighbor, is always anonymous, always it's uh, inimical to us. It's very, very difficult to align with one country. At that, those days, only the Russia helped us. They po- provided the nuclear material. Uh, yeah, I mean, India the has Russia. the right to do whatever they do. Then yeah, I guess but, we, uh, we, I yeah, guess being we have... non-aligned, we don't want to support anybody. We said we don't want war to begin with. We don't have time for the war. We don't have yeah, money. No, I appreciate that, but I, I have a problem with India being a U.S. partner, a, a great global democracy, a rising superpower. Probably 100 years from now, India will be uh, more of a power than China. And you're certainly, you know, you can bring up, they, they have the right to do whatever they want to do for their co- country's that's best that's, interest. See, what is happening? Uh, but when, what I would recommend is if they want to be friends with the U.S. from trade, they shouldn't be uh, ganging up against us with Russia and China. That's all. Um, that's my point was just they have the right to do what they want to do. We have the right to retaliate in some measure. You know, I mean, that, that's all from a from they a global the BRIC trade. country even before this instance, even before Ukraine. Yeah, but I don't like the idea. My my point was really the BRICS countries that are U.S. allies should not be uh, colluding with other nations to destroy the U.S. dollar as the world reserve currency. That's all. U.S. dollar is great. Our politicians are very intelligent, knowledgeable attorneys, but every dollar make is flawed a lot. Yeah, no, there's a lot of problems with the U.S. We got to get our debt and our fiscal house in order. I agree with you there. Thank you, Rada. We got to go soon. We got a lot of calls. Uh, Teddy, go ahead. Why he believes the lottery winners should annuitize. Go ahead, Teddy. Yeah, Josh, let me ask you. The the two options, I just read today, Mark Cuban said that the person who hit the uh, billion-dollar Powerball should not take it in a lump sum. Most people should annuitize it over 30 years. Number one, you get the whole amount that's advertised, that was advertised. But here's my question. I think I know the answer. If you die, say, after five years, I would assume that your heirs and estate will get the rest. Am I correct? Well, it depends on what type of annuity you choose. You could choose a life-only option. That would be for your life only. That's why people would say, well, when you do an annuity, you surrender your control to the annuity company. That's wrong. It depends on the choice you pick when you turn on the income. You can pick a life only, which means when you die, the money goes to the insurance company. You can pick a life only with a cash refund. So whatever cash 
was not gotten goes to your estate or your heirs. You can pick a joint life, so income for you and a spouse. Joint life, you and a child. You can pick um, an installment refund, which let's say you get 40 payments, and then when, if you die in year 20, 20 more years of payments goes to your heirs. So well, there's a lot of misinformation on annuities, and one of those is, okay, when you die, the money goes to the insurance company. Uh, that is only one option, a life-only annuity, and you can have uh, different choices. Uh, Tom says, if a jackpot winner chooses to receive their prize in annual annuity payments and they die before all payments are made, the rest of the prize goes to their state and big tax bill goes to that estate. But still, uh, yeah, probably the annuitization option is better. The preceding program was sponsored by the Jelensky Advisory Group. Any awards, rankings, or recognition by unaffiliated third parties or publications, including five-star wealth manager, advisory of the year finalist by senior market advisor, and top of the million-dollar roundtable are in no way indicative of the advisor's future performance or any individual client's investment success. No award, ranking, or recognition should be construed as a current or past endorsement of Josh Jelinski or Wealth Quarterback, LLC. Information regarding specific awards, rankings, or recognitions is available on the Wealth Quarterback website at Jelinski.org. All investments strategies have the potential for profit or loss. Investment strategies such as asset allocation, diversification, or rebalancing do not assure or guarantee better performance and cannot eliminate the risk of investment losses. There are no guarantees that a portfolio employing these or any other strategy will outperform a portfolio that does not engage in such strategies. This broadcast should not be construed by any client or prospective client as a solicitation to affect or attempt to affect transactions and securities or the rendering of personalized investment advice. Due to various factors, including including changing market conditions, the information discussed in this broadcast may no longer be reflective of current positions or recommendations. While information presented is believed to be factual and up-to-date, Josh Jelinski and Wealth Quarterback do not guarantee its accuracy, and it should not be regarded as a complete analysis of the subjects discussed. The tax and estate planning information discussed is general in nature, is provided for informational purposes only, and should not be construed as legal or tax advice. Listeners should consult an attorney or tax professional regarding their specific legal or tax situation. Investment advisory services offered through Wealth Quarterback, LLC.